Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Research, reporting, industry analysis, information, and tokenomics. Welcome to Thriller Insights. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Insights. Today is March 29th, 2020, and we are talking Bitcoin mining analysis here at the top of the show. So hope everybody's doing well through this whole pandemic, right? Hope you guys are safe, healthy, and everything is going great. Um, we're going to talk about Bitcoin mining this episode because I think a lot of information that's out there right now is just uncertainty fear and doubt that's kind of getting spread out in the space. And I feel like we need to get back down to the basics. And the basics I mean by looking at hard data, looking at metrics, and trying to understand what is going on as far as Bitcoin mining, because I feel like this is the key aspect to letting us know what's going to happen here in the short to near term. Because for the most part, the United States economy right now is in in the, in the tanks. <laughs> like, no one's working. Everybody's stuck at home. I mean, the few that are working remote, like myself, there aren't very many of us out there, right? So the vast majority of people are having to, you know, go without working. Nothing's getting manufactured. All that is going on in, in, in the entire world and in America. And it's just leading to this unprecedented amount of liquidity being called um, a bailout, right? It's a stimulus to stabilize the economy. But um, this is this is unforeseen territory. So we have to look at the nuts and bolts of it all. And that's the Bitcoin mining space, because I feel like this is going to tell us everything here when it comes to Bitcoin and crypto. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love talking about the financial markets. It's fun, but in, in, in all in all sense of the world, you didn't you didn't subscribe to this <laughs> to this uh, podcast for financial markets. You subscribe to it for 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 Bitcoin and for cryptocurrency. And trust me, there's a lot of really smart people out there already doing the financial stuff. So definitely check them out. But today we're talking Bitcoin primarily. Okay, let's dive into it. So. All the major U.S. equities were up around 9 to 12% this week. And it started on Tuesday. The Dow Jones had its best day since 1938. You have most of the people out there in the space trying to say that Bitcoin and crypto is tied to what's going on in the stock market. And I really hate when I hear, when I hear that because it's just such lazy journalism going on. I really strongly believe that. Because if you look at Bitcoin... It's had its least volatile week since its price cut in half on March 13th, right? Bitcoin's market value rose from $3,867 to $7,000 in the 13 days to March 25th of this week. And Bitcoin has consistently hovered around the $6,500 mark this week. I mean, but the major question that no one is asking in this space, but everybody is reporting on is what are miners doing, right? Throughout... The 81% recovery that we've seen here shortly, miners have sold more coins than what they generated. Yeah, this is according to an MRI figure from ByteTree. It's they use this figure to track the changes in inventory levels held by miners. Now, according to their graphs here, 
The 21-day rolling MRI stayed above 100 during the entire duration of the recent recovery from lows below 4,000. An MRI above 100 means miners are selling more than they mine and running down inventory. While a below negative 100 MRI reading indicates miners are amassing inventory by selling less than they mine. But this was expected, right? I mean, we talked about this in the previous episode, right? We, we said that miners are going to start selling before the halving because after the halving, they're going to mine less, right? And the difficulty rate might adjust lower because miners are falling off. I mean, this is all information that we talked about in the previous episode. So as it continues, prices have continued to stay kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, even level for the most part. And that's got a lot of people wondering, like, why is that? Well, mining pools so far are the highest percentage of Bitcoin flowing into exchanges. And this is here recently. And I'll put a graph here in the show notes so you can take a look at it. And they will continue to have a significant influence on prices into the halving. That's why I said it was critical these next few weeks that we take a look at what miners are doing because they're, they're going to be the fog lights to this to this endless cave that we're in, this, this kind of panic-stricken uh, panic world where no one knows what's going on and we can't correlate anything with anything. Um, that's why it frustrates me to, to see journalists out there try to correlate the stock markets to the Bitcoin and crypto markets. It's just not valid. They're two separate markets. Yes, there was a liquidity sell-off in the beginning. We had that happen. But after that, they're, they're completely different things, completely different. Now, miners sold 2,788 Bitcoin against 150, uh, 1,588 Bitcoin mined, slamming the market. So what we'll need to do is continue to watch miners and what they do. Can they remain profitable will be crucial, right? I'm, I'm glad to see something sell off right now. Right now, we're currently at $5,900 here in the Bitcoin market. And that's good. To me, that's a good sign. Like, I like to see that miners are selling coins right now because it shows that, hey, they're probably thinking about what this is going to look like after the halving. We don't have any specific information on that, but typically that's what's occurred. They'll sell a lot before the halving. We'll see that price drop because of pre-pump, right? And then the price will drop. But we didn't see the pre-pump this year. If it, if it happened, it was at $10,400, right? It just passed the spy. We didn't see it coming because Corona came and it threw everything for a tailspin, right? So right now we're seeing a sell-off, but the, the fact that it's selling off and buyers are now absorbing the extra Bitcoin flooding the market, right? is having very little impact. This is a good sign. It's a sign of strength in the overall Bitcoin and crypto market. Make no mistakes, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that we've, stayed, we've, we've been able to stay stable throughout the most of this is a win in my book. <laughs> like I was expecting, I mean, I was expecting some serious downward pressure just from everything, right? Uh, much less the Bitcoin and crypto space, but uh, or even much less miners. But now that we're seeing that it's relatively stable, this is a good scene. This is a this is a sign of strength in the overall space. So miners behaving this way was expected, and we did discuss it. And you can go back and listen to the previous uh, Thriller Insights episode. I'll put a link in the show notes. But I can't stress this enough with the overall health of the mining network, because this is this is directly linked to Bitcoin's value. I mean. We, we've looked at it, we've looked at it before, and we've looked at this, the energy value model and how that's correlated to all miners if they were to stop mining Bitcoin tomorrow, and how that power input would be zero if Bitcoin would be worthless, and everything when it comes to supply growth rate, we need to understand this, and this is critical. 
if we must absolutely hold $4,800, if we do not hold $4,800, boy, are we in for some major, major, major downward trends. So key takeaways, the key takeaways from this, yes, miners are selling, absolutely. They're selling above 50% above what they are mining. And so they're slamming the market. Another good thing though, is buyers like myself, like yourself, everybody are absorbing the extra Bitcoin, flooding the market from these miners. And it's having very little impact because we've been able to sustain. Right now we're at $5,900. Earlier this week, we were at 6,500. I think we even saw 68, 69. You know, there are some people out there saying that, hey, we need to get above, you know, 7,200. That's the key level. But there was never, there is never gonna be a scenario where we get above 7,200 or maintain that. So the fact that we were able to drop down a little bit and miners were able to sell off some Bitcoins at, at really high prices at 6,800, it's a good thing. But the key takeaway is we must hold $4,800. If we don't hold $4,800, then we're going to start sliding back down to the $2,800 level. And that's where we don't want to be, right? That's definitely where we don't want to be. And this is all I got. This is all I got when it comes to Bitcoin mining right now. I feel like we've done a, a, a probably probably the most <laughs> out of anybody when it comes to Bitcoin mining in, in the past few weeks. And I've had to a brush up on so much information uh, that's just, you know, drilling in my head. Um, there's some really good, there's some really good information on Bitcoin mining. If you look at Satoshi's early papers, the guy was a genius or the lady, whoever, whoever these people were, they were a genius. Um, because if you look at some of the, at some of the, the way, the way he, the way he built the, not only the protocol, but the mining aspect of things, uh, the difficulty adjustment was going to be either lower or higher, depending on how many miners were on the network. And he really understood that to a really scientific level because it, it's almost it's almost like he was able to see, you know, ahead of his time what was going to pass or different scenarios that were supposed to be playing out. It, it's pretty fascinating. I've been reading a book called um, Satoshi's Journal, I think it's called. I have to go and look, but it's called... Uh, God dang, I think it's like it's a book based on his early writings, um, the book of Satoshi. Yeah, I highly recommend checking out that book. There's so much good information in there, and it goes it goes really in depth. It's it's about six six years old, but it really captures a lot of what Satoshi was talking about in the early days of, of Bitcoin. And it, there's a lot of information there about mining and how the difficulty difficulty adjustment. Um, takes care of a lot of the allevi alleviated possible problems that could happen on the network. Um, it's it's really fascinating. Okay, I think that's all I got. With that, let's get into that's right, coin analysis. So today in coin analysis, we were talking about Bitcoin and, um, you know, when it when it comes to charts right now, I feel like 
they're the least useful <laughs> unless they're unless they're like the, the the past you know 24 hours or the past 72 hours or even the past you know um i would say a week or so uh, they, they've just become very useless uh, especially when you look at it from a historical perspective with that being said we're going to look at a chart today <laughs> well because I, I think it's I think also too I think it's very good to maintain a sense of trajectory like or a sense of purpose where we're headed because I think in Bitcoin you need that and that's something that we've been severely lacking um, here especially on this show in the past you know I would say the past month since this crash has happened so let's let's take let's go back and look at some some charts because I feel like this will kind of give us a better sense of where we really are uh, in the grand scheme of things and and make no mistake like this this doesn't mean this is where we're headed or this is where we're going because I feel like in, in a lot of ways Bitcoin has kind of restarted again uh, in a weird way I mean it, I mean, we probably won't know until like four or five months later from where we are now, what, how this occurred and what impact it had. Um, so I can't give you a clear view of that now. But I, I will say, though, it in the, being in the moment of it, it feels like Bitcoin has um, has in the crypto space has done like a reset as far as like um, what we used to know and what we used to take as uh, as gospel to no longer being that and, and kind of creating this new uh, this new path for it. Okay, so we are currently more than 450 days since the bottom of the previous bear cycle uh, since December 2018. Uh, despite the 13,800 peak from last June, Bitcoin's continuous and most recently more aggressive correction has got the crypto world worried that we are diverging from a long-term bullish trend. And this is what a lot of people are calling out there. They're calling for that $2,800 level. And this is where, you know, when you start when you start talking like that, <laughs> you get a lot of people scared. And that's probably what you should want to do. But uh, I will say, though, that you got to take these in steps. You can't just say we're going here and that's where we're headed. That's like me saying we're going to be at 100K 12 months from now. You can't just go and say these things. You have to have proof to back it up, right? And I feel like a lot of people who say we're going here because we, we've gotten here before, doesn't necessarily ring false, but it doesn't necessarily ring true as well, too. But if we look at just a standard, you know, you know, 0.38, 0 0.38 Fibonacci retracement level, we can see that from the previous cycle's top to the bottom, that we are back, we're kind of going back to the same day on the previous cycle. So if you look currently right now, and this is where it gets really interesting, is because we thought for the most part that that Bitcoin was, um, I'm going to say done for, for the year. But we kind of assume like, hey, um, all of these charts are no longer in play because uh, a lot of this kind of um, symmetrical triangles and these channel paths that are being created on these charts, like they just don't play a significance anymore. And I think in a sense, that can kind of ring true, right? In, in a sense, but at the same time, you kind of have to look at it from a different angle. Now, if you if you zoom out for a second and you see where we are, we've other than hitting that um, thirty two hundred dollar level here on the thirteenth of March and then bouncing right back up. Um, other than doing other than that specific moment in time, um, we haven't pretty we haven't deviated too far much from where we were supposed to be. No, don't get me wrong. Like this having this this moment of Bitcoin leading into this next happening does not look like the previous 
happening and leading up into that. And and that's fair, right? Because of Corona and what happened with that. Um, but the accumulation and, and, and distribution phase of Bitcoin and that whole box, like that fits perfectly with where we're at, uh, surprisingly, uh, even with that drop. So as long as we're able to maintain that $4,800 level that I keep talking about, and as long as we're not able to, as long as we're not deviating back down to $2,800 levels, I think it's a possibility that we could see an uptrend. Now, with that being said, you have to realize also that a lot of people aren't working right now. <laughs> like, that's the truth. Like, there's a lot of people that got laid off of work. There's there's a lot of people that are having to go into their crypto savings and pull that out and use it. Um, there's a lot of people that are doing that. With that being said, I will say this and we'll kind of go in the opposite direction. Everybody is waking up to how the Fed has been able to print this exorbitant amount of money. And everybody's waking up to the fact that not only are they creating a digital dollar, but they're rushing to make it happen. Um, you have people out there like MIT uh, Research doing uh, explicit research right now on the different uh, companies and uh, blockchains to work with on this. You have Accenture already working with the Fed directly to create some kind of blockchain. There's even talks already of a specific blockchain who we'll probably get into later in the week, but there's a specific blockchain that is on GitHub right now that is being targeted at the Fed or being targeted as the the, the, the crypto project the Fed is going to use. So it's its own blockchain. Um, so we'll talk about that more later in the week because I know but that's a that's a whole that's a whole another conversation, and that's a whole another conversation I don't want to get into on this episode because I want to strictly talk about Bitcoin, but we'll talk about that later in the week. I will we'll do that. Probably do a Thriller Insider on it, honestly, because it's really fascinating. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll definitely do a Thriller Insider on the whole digital dollar and, and who what are the projects behind it that are you know, all that kind of stuff because there's a lot of information going on right now that's just kind of it's still rumorish a little bit, but some of it's kind of getting. It's flattened out. Okay, <laughs> let me get back to Bitcoin. So what I'm saying is there's there's a lot of key players right now that are rushing to compete with Bitcoin. Because if you look at the fact, the facts of the facts, right? You can't go, like take Twitter, for example. You can't go on Twitter and you can't see a CNBC article that says Fred printed all this all this money and uh, economic, you know, downturn and all this stuff. And this is bullish for Wall Street. You see all these news news uh, items coming from CNBC, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal. If you if you click on those links, it takes you to the to the tweet, right? And you see all these comments. And in every one of those, and if and in every one of those uh, comments, you see buy Bitcoin, opt out, right? Or you'll see, uh, this is why Bitcoin was created. You'll see, this is Bitcoin's moment. This You'll see people say, time to move to Bitcoin, time for plan B. Like you see an abundance of just people reacting to the major, to the, to the major mainstream news, uh, happy and giddy that we're getting this uh, this uh, this package of stimulus, right? And in every one of those articles you click on, you see a Bitcoin uh, person in there saying to buy Bitcoin, this is the end, buy Bitcoin, this is the end, <laughs> you know? And you even see gold bugs as well too say the exact same thing, right? So that tells me, 
that tells me that um, a lot of people are buying Bitcoin right now and a lot of miners are dumping Bitcoin right now. And the fact that we haven't moved shows, even with the dumps from miners, shows that the amount of buying that's happening right now is exorbitant. So in my opinion, yes, the economy is in the tanks. Yes, a lot of people are out of jobs. Yes, they'll run to their crypto to pull it for fiat in the short term. But make no mistake, there's a lot of people including myself, that are doubling down on Bitcoin now more so than I, I've ever been, right? So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The the powers that be, the powers that are, that are in control at this time know that Bitcoin is a threat. <laughs> they don't have, they don't have to, uh, you know, they don't have to see it on the mainstream news to understand that. They know it's a threat, right? And they're going to do everything they can to make sure this digital dollar works. And, the, and, and China's gonna do everything they can to make sure this digital yuan works. And they're gonna try everything in their power to not let the digital dollar overtake their uh, economic means, right? So this is gonna be a currency war. We just talked about this in the previous episode, but the game is on and, and everybody's coming for Bitcoin's head. And it might, and you might hear in the mainstream news, you might hear people laugh at you for buying Bitcoin right now. But if you look at this technology and if you understand it from a fundamental level and you understand how money works and you understand how these long-term bullish trends work inside of bitcoin you will you will understand that this is where everything is headed in the long run and it's an inevitability and that's why these channel paths are very crucial right now that's why i wanted to talk about this chart because yes all this information is going on right now that about the digital dollar and people are getting bearish in the short term but long term for Bitcoin, we're still in that same channel and we're still far away from the bottom right now. And can that turn in a moment's notice? Absolutely, it could. Absolutely. But I, I tend to think that people have woken up and people that necessarily weren't awake before are awake now. And they're understanding why Bitcoin is such uh, a big um a big, big thing right now, especially in these times, because they're understanding that, hey, not only is there rehypothecation going on in the gold markets where you have, you know, several gold bars belonging to several different people um, or one gold bar, I should say, <laughs> belonging to several different people. But you have uh, people understanding that, wow, Bitcoin's actually something that I can hold. Right. And something that I know for a fact that I own and that no one can take away from me. That's a powerful thing, especially when it retains value. That's a powerful thing. And so I think, yes, did we fall off? Absolutely. But at the same time, are we in the same channel that we were before? Yes. Is it ideal? No. So let's get into future predictions. Speculative token analysis. These are future predictions. All right, it's time for future predictions. So this future predictions is more going to be sort of a question I'm going to ask all of y'all. Boom or bust with DeFi? That is a question. Boom or bust? What do I mean by that? Well, will DeFi be this next big 
bull market for us like ICOs were in 2017. And or or I should say or is is it a bust? Will it not happen? Is it still too soon? Right? Was was Maker crashing here on the 13th a sign of that here in in you know 2021 or 2020 whenever this does occur, right? Um, that is a major question. And right now, CB Insights has released a report where they talk about what's ahead in 2020 and beyond as far as blockchain and cryptocurrency. Uh, they see enterprise blockchain funding uh, as has having been lagged. Uh, they think efforts to reduce back office costs and improve business processes are still ongoing. However, funding to other applications has been nearly 7x higher than to enterprise blockchain over the past five years. I would agree. In, in my own in my own day job, there's more and more companies that are moving to the cloud. That is happening, right? Slowly but surely, we'll get them to AWS, we'll get them to Azure, we'll get them to Google Cloud. All that will happen eventually, but it's slowly happening. It'll happen here in the next decade. I would say by 2025, you know, 50% of small to medium-sized businesses will be on the cloud at that point. We'll have moved them away from in-house servers, right? Central banks are serious about fiat digital currencies. I talked about this in the last segment. This is absolutely true, and CB Insight sees the same thing. The future programmable money could come out of the central bank, and I think here in the next 18 to 24 months, I think that's going to happen. Um, it happened really fast. And the reason it's happening so fast is because of Bitcoin. Make no mistake about it. They fear the fact that Bitcoin has become the Swiss, uh, the Swiss, the Swiss Army knife of of, of money uh, in a lot of ways. It can do a lot of things, and it can be uh, done globally uh, at scale um, and with anybody's without anybody's permission. That scares a lot of central authorities. The next thing is dual token sales. Right, this is where DeFi really comes in. You have simple agreement for future tokens. That's your SAFTSs. You have your security token offerings. Those are the STOs that we've covered in the past. You have consumer token offerings, which is your CTOs. And you have your dual token sale. So what does that mean? Well, this means that they're trying to comply with the SEC and specifically design uh, a way to where you have security and investment access only available to accredited investors through, let's say, probably like an STO. But you also have a CTO, and those are like your um, utility, probably your utility coins, you could call them, right? Um, so when you create a dual token sale, it, you normally would have a utility token, a token used on the network or a platform, right? And then a second token that would use be used for raising money. But instead, uh, these fulfill both each other's needs and leaves the platform as designed without compromising security requirements by the SEC, right? So... You're offering a security token, but you're also offering a utility token, and it's a perfect world of decentralized and centralized, you would think in theory, right? Maybe the SEC doesn't like that. Maybe they do. But if you look at right now in this space, you have something like Maker and you have something like Dai, both accomplishing those things, right? They have their Maker token. They have their Maker Foundation, and then they have their Dai token, right? And they're all accomplishing these different assets, and it's becoming decentralized over time. And yes, they just added BAT, and yes, they just added USDC to kind of make it more neutral as opposed to just having Ethereum be the uh, underlying asset for Dai. So what I'm trying to say is all these multiple incentive structures that are being built right now are happening with smart contracts and dApps, and that's a total equation that could happen here in the short term to medium term, right? But... I ask you that question again, boom or bust with DeFi? That is the question. And right now I would say it's definitely a bust, right? I mean, look what happened on the 13th. That doesn't look good for Ethereum. The fact that Ethereum hasn't launched its uh, phase zero yet is still 
a bust, right? It's like, hey, what's going on here? Um, so at a certain point, people are going to become very, <laughs> very angry with Ethereum <laughs> if they don't start releasing something. And this also falls into DeFi for that, for that same reason. Yes, we had a recession. Yes, we're currently in it. Yes, we don't know how it's going to turn out long term. But the central authorities are catching up to us when it comes to technology. And maybe that's what Ethereum is waiting for. Maybe they're happy just being a private uh, blockchain uh, entity for a lot of uh, small to medium sized to larger scale government um, systems, right? I mean, maybe that's that's okay. Being Linux, <laughs> being the first, you know, decentralized blockchain to be Linux, that's fine, right? That's what they want to be. That's what they want to be. But at a certain point, uh, a lot, I think a lot of people in this space want to see DeFi actually compete with these central authorities and become something more. And um, the way it's looking at right now, it's looking to be a bust here in the short term. I don't know. I don't know what the hold. I don't know what the future holds for it. But I will say though, if we don't start seeing some traction happen here in the next six to twelve months from the Ethereum space, I think a lot of people are gonna kind of you know send that ship off, and they're gonna realize that hey, this is enterprise blockchain might be the peak. <laughs> of DeFi, <laughs> and that's not saying a lot. So yeah, that's my future prediction. Again, this is all speculation. It's more of a question than anything, boom or bust with DeFi. And um, for right now, I'm willing to gamble on Ethereum. I think I'm, I think holding Ethereum is important right now. Um, unfortunately, I'm not buying any Ethereum, right? Because I feel like buying Bitcoin at this price is just, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, paramount in my opinion and i think it's uh in the future bitcoin will become a savings account for most people that whole fiat so we'll see okay You know, I was just looking at coin market cap right now, and the uh, I would say the psychology when it comes to the price of Bitcoin is, is a strong thing. Um, you push it above six thousand, no one freaks out. You push it below six thousand, people freak out a little bit. I will say right now, buying Bitcoin at these prices is important. Uh, it's important for this space. Uh, it's not only important for your investment; it's also an opportunity to add to that stack. Um, I think first and foremost, you should take care of what you need to take care of. Um, but I think ignoring Bitcoin, like some of these bigger institutions are doing right now, is a giant mistake. Uh, I think when they do get back into Bitcoin, which will be later in the year, I think that's when you'll see Bitcoin start rising parabolically, right? It starts making a thousand, thousand K jumps. But until we reach that point, um, all ships ahead. As far as Bitcoin mining, that's going to lead us here in the short term and tell us where we're headed. But in the long term, Bitcoin has a place in this world, and that's the most important thing. See you next time.